Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Live, die, repeat. You gotta get out of here. No, let's do it again. I'm getting come with me if you don't want to live. Die tomorrow. Yeah, come on. I'm gonna shoot you in the head. What? (laughs) Oh, gross. Oh, edge of tomorrow. What does that mean? Why are they called mimics? Boom. (laughs) What I am about to tell you sounds crazy, but you have to listen to me. Your very lives depend on it. 
You see, this isn't the first time. Now, we've had this conversation. What day is it? Judgment Day. You just came in with the fresh recruits. This is not the end. The invasion will fail, along with every soldier you are sending. We lose this is not everything. The Come find me when you wake up. You do know what's happening to me. What happened to you happened to me. You hijacked their power. I need your help. With what exactly? Winning the war. We can do this. Just come here every day and I'll train you. No matter what I do, it's as far as you go. Why does it matter what happens to me? soldier of course you're not you're a weapon Welcome, everybody, to the Film Board. Uh, this is a very special edition of The Next Reel, uh, where we uh, we gather the, the, the uh, gang of thugs, the monthly gang of thugs, and we thoroughly spoil a new release film. Uh, to, I am Pete Wright, and uh, who do we have on the panel tonight? We have the uh, lovely uh, Tom Metz, Thomas Handsome, Thomas W. Handsome the Third. That's me. Hello, friends. And we have the uh, goodly, kindly, once in future king, Steve Sarmento. Good evening, everyone. And uh, Andy is here too. Andy Nelson, who's uh, he's he's always here, like me. Hello, everybody. Just always here. Never leave. Mm-hmm. Feels like we've done this before. Wait, what? <laughs> what edge of tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're talking about tonight. Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt in the uh, Doug Lyman film, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, written by Christopher McQuarrie, Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, based on the book, All You Need Is Kill, by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. How'd I do? Pretty good? Did I get Pretty everything? good. Great. Right. Hey. With syllables. Uh, what, do we, <laughs> what do we think of this film? Uh, I assume everybody has seen it. Yes. Uh, right, I hope so. Well, I saw it tomorrow, but then I came back today to talk about it. <laughs> That's good. Nice. So you know how it's gonna, how it's yeah. really gonna settle in with people already. Well, I'm tr- trying to make sure we do this podcast right this time <laughs> because of what oh. happened last time. Do we have to start it over and over because I keep disconnecting after I fall down the stairs or something? <laughs> oh, that was so good, uh, Tom. Because of that, let's start with you. What did you think of Edge of Tomorrow? I saw it just before the podcast raced home and was just in time for here. Uh, so that being said, I haven't had that much time to, say, ruminate on it, but I really liked it. Um, I uh, one, of the, one of the things, oh, because we're just opening comments? Yes. The fact that it's so many, it, let's say, borrows or appropriates from so many different movies. My count, 
of course, Groundhog Day, Source Code, Saving Private Ryan, Without Starship Troopers, The Sentinels from the Matrix, and sound effects from Transformers. All of that still being so recognizable, it was a fresh and really fun take. And I just felt, oh, and of course, video games. I just felt it was so much fun, and I really, really enjoyed it. I lost a little bit of interest in the third act. Don't quite understand the ending. Past that, I say, go for it! Excellent. You're practically a professional at this. Steve, what did you think? Wait, what? What? What are we talking about? (laughs) I'm playing the Tommy Hansen role today because he's my stuff. No, no, no. First, you have to hit yourself in the head with a chair. Yeah. (laughs) Tom took all the words out of my mouth. That's exactly. uh, I just saw it earlier this afternoon. Had a great time with it. Um you know, we can dig into some of the pieces, but overall, just a really enjoyable film. I agree, fresh take on an action film, did some, you know, interesting things and was, you know, as we can say, discuss, a lot funnier than I thought this thing was going to be. It, it mm-hmm. really had a lot of different things going on that worked really well together, and I was on the edge of my seat. Wow, that, oh. was a, that was a, a pregnant pause. <laughs> Yeah, to yeah. find out I where where exactly you were, I knew you were going to be somewhere. Yeah, uh, Andy. Well, yes. What'd you think? I loved it. I completely loved uh, every bit of it. Um, I watched it last night, and then it was one of the. It, it, this is the sort of film that is just so fun to once you've watched it to sit down have a conversation about what the heck was going on in it, especially that third act that does get a little complicated trying to piece it together and my wife and i had a great uh time just trying to sort the whole thing out um afterward and uh it and after we think we figured out everything that happened in the end um it just made us like it all the more and it's it was a film you know this is fresh off of me having finished my entire tom cruise marathon having watched all of his movies and I've got to say, I, I mean, this is just a really solid film for him and a solid film for everyone involved. I think uh, this is a, a, a very fun sci-fi film. Yes, it does borrow, like Tom said, from lots of other films, but not in a way that I feel like it's 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 plagiarizing. It does Agreed. it in a way, yeah, it does it in a way that's just very fun and in a fresh way that just feels uh, it feels very welcoming and and everything about it feels like. It's it's a glove that's very easy to put on. Oh, ooh, wow! <laughs> you phrase maker, you. <laughs> that was really something. DM. I, 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 <laughs> DM. I don't actually have a whole lot to add to that. I would just say, uh, you know, I've been. Uh, oh, I have not finished it, but I've been working through the book today, and oh. uh, I'm about three quarters of the way through it. And I would say, uh, insofar as the film appears to borrow from all these other things, so does the book. Um, the the so I I think the book the the film is actually pretty darn close um, to the book and and I was really pleased to see that um, uh, but generally I'm with you guys and I'm giddy that all four of us are finally on the same page for a film that is actually good uh, I had a terrific time seeing this film I saw it yesterday the first showing yesterday morning and I I really want to see it again already and um, uh, yeah. so I, I I really liked it um, I, I I'm torn with how to start I I want to I think we should talk a little bit about the architecture of the film um, and 
and how the uh, start with the time travel stuff uh, and try to make sense of the film, and then we'll kind of work backward from there. Does that seem okay? Yes. Great. All right. Okay. I have an admission to make, though. You were sleeping through some of it. You fell downstairs. I, I unfortunately saw the desolation of Smaug again by accident. No, <laughs> I, um, I, because of timing, um, and I actually saw it with a group of people, but I let them go in first. I missed the CNN report, which I was told was kind of a CNN report in the beginning. Oh. But I think that's okay because I was able to figure out everything in the film, but there are some questions that maybe I might have that might make me sound like an idiot, but I just wanted to put that up top so so we can all be on the same page. I think it was just a series of news reports. It wasn't just CNN. It was a whole bunch of, you know, intercutting TV reports talking about, you know, uh, a, a strange meteor crashed in Germany, and you know, from that, apparently, these aliens came out and kind of were spreading and, and destroying Europe and basically taking over. Oh, that great! Was, that, yeah, that was long, the long and the short of it. Okay, yeah, I mean, and then... I, I, it was the first like five years. It, it covers the the you know the humans' first victory. Uh, you know, so it's finally we, we've got it. Yes. So we, we get that coverage so that it's been five years of, of fighting and we finally have a victory. So now there's some hope and that um, you've, you've got um, Cage, you know, going from, you know, different news you know reporters. And he's promoting this new gear, this, you know, jacket mech thing that, you know, one soldier with it was able to kill 100 of these mimics. So now we're outfitting everybody with this because this is our. Our, our hope for winning this is getting everybody in this equipment. That's what's going to turn the tide of this war. And so we saw a lot of him as that uh, PR person really pushing that. And, and I thought that was important, not only in terms of exposition, but developing his character of seeing who he was. Because that comes into play, I think, in that first scene. Got him. Well, yeah. he was smarmy enough with the general, with Brendan Gleeson, that yeah. to its credit, without seeing any of that, it, everything still worked. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you got it from that yeah. right there. I yeah. don't know why they're called mimics, and I was wondering if that was explained. No. But we no. can we can save that for later or never. I think there's a. I I don't know. Does anybody probably, have an answer to that? They I probably don't. had watched uh, Guillermo del Toro's movie and said, "Gosh, those look like those giant cockroaches. Let's call them mimics." <laughs> probably that was it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. So I'm nothing Confession there. free. Yeah, you're Go caught ahead. up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Who wants to take the first stab at the time travel? What's the concept of the movie? Steve, can you walk through just the, the concept of the film for those who haven't seen it and deeply want to be spoiled heavily? <laughs> who is this podcast for? <laughs> Do you know what's funny? This podcast is for my mother. Oh, that's funny. Let me tell you why. She tells me yesterday, as I'm walking into the film, I'm talking to her on the phone. She says, wait, you're going to go see this? I wasn't going to go see it. I said, no, you got to see it. She said, call me right after. So I call her right after, and she says, okay, tell me everything what it's about. I said, you want me to tell you everything? She says, yes. When I go into a movie, I really like to know the ending and yeah. the middle and pretty much the beginning. Sure. <laughs> so this podcast is for people who like my mother. Yeah. Ironically, she doesn't listen. <laughs> All right, go, Steve. <laughs> So we're talking about sort of the architecture, the structure yes. of, of the film. So we've got, uh, you know, we, as, as Tom alluded to, you know, a, a groundhog element. Because we've got time travel uh, and also source code where we've got a reset point. So in, in this battle with the mimics, we see Tom Cruise, who's this very inexperienced, you know, soldier, uh, kill one of these mimics. There, there's two different kinds. There's these orange ones and there's these, this blue one that he kills that... In its dying throes of killing him, as he shoots it, its blood, you know, sort of spills all over him. And then he wakes up back at, uh, you know, the last point where he had woken up 
uh, or t- I guess a day and a half before. He was unconscious. He got dropped off at the training camp there. That's where he resets to. And so throughout the that initial sequence, we he starts to learn whenever he dies, he's going to wake up there. And so we have that groundhog element of I can make mistakes, I can try things, which leads to some quite humorous elements that I wasn't expecting of him trying things to alter some things so that he can, you know, with, he can help win this war. Uh, so we've got this element that's that's used to progress the story. And what's interesting is we'll see that initially the same scene, maybe from a little bit of a different perspective, the way the camera's positioned, we're seeing the same information visually. It looks a little bit different to us, so we're not, you know, saying, oh, well, they're just using the same footage again. Uh, Get but up, then, maggots. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then as we move on into the story, we... Uh, we get familiar with the things that he's we've seen it three or four times so we can skip past that to other i guess segments of what he's trying to do and it sort of loops and slowly progresses his story forward until he encounters uh emily blunt's character who tells him you need to find me when you wake up so we realize that here's another character that has some understanding of this so the two of them have this understanding. He starts to learn more through her about what exactly happened that's related to this blood of the mimics. And they use this as a mechanism for trying to win the war. We can, it's almost like a video game. You can go this far. Okay, I'm going to try this strategy. That doesn't work. Okay, we're going to try something else. He's the only one that maintains the memories of what has happened before. So he's always got to have some ability to sort of explain or prove that he has all that prior knowledge uh, every time he meets uh, Rita, who is uh, the, uh, what do they call her? The full, the full metal. And full, then it always gets, yes. it always gets cut off. <laughs> <laughs> the full metal B. And I thought that was very interesting in a PG 13 movie that they would always cut that. Um, so the two of them using this time travel loop uh, to try to win the war is sort of where the main you know, thrust of the story goes. Uh, we find out that she had the ability and then lost it uh, because instead of dying, at one point she was severely injured. They rescued her, took her to the hospital, blood transfusion, which apparently either diluted the blood or did something where she no longer has that ability to reset time. Uh, so we know that it is something that he won't have forever, that it can possibly be taken away from him. So there are some stakes. Which leads uh, to some of the funniest humor, I think, in the thing. Now that you know you have to die and can't just get yeah. injured, I yes. have never laughed so hard at Tom Cruise getting shot in the head. <laughs> or, 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 or rolling under a truck. Right. That, that was, was, that, that was gruesome. the funniest one. That was well, great. It, it was, to me, it was, a gr- it was playing with audiences' expectations of Tom Cruise, even from the beginning of... You've got Tom Cruise playing a character who's not gung-ho, ready to go to war. He is the most reluctant soldier ever. He's like, hey, I was an ROTC. I don't want to do this. I'm going to try and blackmail blackmail my way out of this. I'm going to weasel my way out of this any way I can. And so it was a very different hero type for him to play. And I think that also lent itself to some of the, the humor and comedy of, you know, you know, when we're used to seeing, you know, Tom Cruise, he can, you know, do whatever he wants and get away with everything and all these amazing stunts. And here he is just trying to roll under a moving truck and gets squished. Did you uh, notice also how he how they they framed him, particularly in that opening sequence, like as even as he's running with the other soldiers during PT? Like uh, this was what I, I thought was particularly interesting. They let him be his own height. Yes. Yes, I know. He was that too. a. Sh- he is a. He is, he's uh, not short, a terribly tall guy, and right. they let him be uh, his I, natural I, height. 
a tiny man. Yeah, yes. he looked. He he really looked like a guy who's just weak in the knees, and I, yes. I think that works so well. Even in the mech suits, he looked like uh, just shrunken compared to everybody else. And I love that even there's a moment where he sees the dropship and he turns and just like starts <laughs> to walk away. Walk away. <laughs> I like, love that they didn't that. even finish that joke. The other guys just grab him and are like, whoa, 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 and then it cuts away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was it was really the I mean I think the power of knowing when to cut. Yeah. And, and what knowledge that we've built with the audience of what that means, what we what we need to show and what we don't need to show because of how we can build in expectations of, you know, what we assume happens or what we know he will have done a thousand times. So we don't need to see it again because he's going to get to this point. Uh, so that was it was interesting to play with that. And even later in the film, you know, much later, uh, we get to a point where where uh, Cage and Rita are at a certain point, and then they kind of look at each other like, well, now what do we do now? And they're like, I don't know. We've never gotten this far. I, I, I don't know what to do, uh, which is interesting because we always seem to see them of in their, you know, fifth, sixth, hundredth attempt at something uh, of they're, they're able to, you know, sneak in by knowing where everybody moves and to see them get to a point where, okay, they've run out of script. They're at a point now where what we haven't run through this before. We've got exactly what we need. Now what do we do? And I thought that was also a very nice moment, uh, playing with the audience's expectations and also the the humor of it within an action film. And there was actually a time before where I learned officially that the movie had no no POV. Uh, that it was when they were in the, I guess everything's open now, right? right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. when they were in the cabin with the helicopter. Oh, yeah. When yeah. we find out, I mean, there's a lot of signifiers, but we find out he's been here many, many times that even we are left behind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is a thing that, that I really loved. I, re I realized that I didn't, I mean, it was really uncomfortable for a while because I feel very strongly usually about it even robbed us of a third party thing. The movie just held things from us that had been going on for ever and ever and ever and then just sort of let us catch up wait finish that thought right what is a third party thing a third so usually it would be a first a first person right like you're like a movie you're always with this one character they're in every scene uh -huh. you're seeing it from their pov number two you can have it's a two-party thing where uh, and i'm sort of making this up as i go along but you you're following along the story based on what's going on and then the third part number then the third option is a god narrator it's almost it's a lot of films that have actual narrators where you're able to see things that no one else can see you're able to see things right. in horror films a lot of times someone is just sort of typing in a computer and you see the scary person behind them right that the doesn't belong the omniscient to, cameraman the omniscient cameraman this i felt like went into a slightly different category where we were not involved with anything while so much plot was happening, but we're seeing the characters, well, I guess we're seeing the character, Tom Cruise, react as such. He's been through all this stuff as if it's been filmed and edited out. Yes. I thought that was really interesting. Well, and I would it, add to that because I don't think the helicopter, I think that's the that that is maybe the first time we're kind of aware of it, but boy do they play with that at the end. You know, when he's trying to build his case with uh, a J squad that they need to come with them to Paris, uh we 
we are introduced into a uh, a conversation in progress uh, where clearly he has had hundreds of hours spent with these people as individuals learning point. about their lives learning about their because he knows all the secrets he knows uh, everything about them I, I think the first time we see that is when the two guys come after him that they're they're trying to keep him or keep him and he's able to close his eyes and dodge the the you know Swings. He knows where all the punches. Are he knows coming. where all the punches yeah. are coming from, and and so this is these are examples of just where they they so effectively set up the the world right. We go, we're going to go into world building right. They set up this world where he he's looping. They so effectively set up the mechanics that by the time they start sort of gently pulling the rug out from under us, it's it's almost a welcome trick. Yeah, it's seamless. Yeah, it, it really, really is. I, it really works. Well, and it really played with, you know, every time he would say something to Rita, I always had a question of, is this is this the first time or like the hundredth time? Because like when they make it to the cars and he's like, and don't forget to unhitch, you know, the, the trailer. You don't yeah. want to be. And I'm like, is that because she always forgets? You know, that yeah, he's done yeah, this yeah. And, and that's the thing that's going to cause if she doesn't, they're going to get caught. Or is it just, you know, here's some advice. You know, I'm going for this one to make sure you do that because, you know, we're going to be under a lot of pressure. There's things are coming and you want to get the car started, but don't forget to do that. And it was, it was nice because it always sort of played with, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, it wasn't like, Oh, okay. Clearly, you know, when you have characters that can die and reset, it's not, Oh, well, clearly they're going to get out of this one because we're only halfway through the movie. Uh, The stakes can always be really high because we, that we shifted through multiple strategies of we're going to, you know, that as they mapped out their route of, you know, okay, I'm going to step 30 paces, then I'm going to turn to the left and take out the one at 12 o'clock, and then I'm going to turn to the right. And how many times they had to do that and then realized that was futile. And then going for the helicopter, and how many times he said, you know, we've done this and always only one of us can make it. And, you know, there was that, how many different strategic approaches they take to trying to get to where, you know, the Omega mimic was, was really interesting. You didn't know what is this going to be the route or are we going to have to try something else right. because this is a dead end for them i love that point and one of the things to just ape on and probably repeat what steve just said but try to make it my own uh so i get credit for it <laughs> <laughs> is just i what one of the things that the direction and also really tom cruise did such a real that there even before the stakes really changed and we haven't gotten to that quite yet I felt the world weariness of it, of just the, oh my gosh, if you don't, if you don't turn right, like I told you, I have to start all of this over. I felt he sold that and the film sold it incredibly well. That still made it, even though you can start over, I think the, the secret genius behind the film is even though you can start over and it's like a video game, if it was real life, how far he has to go just to get to this new place to then, nope, right didn't work. Or even the horribleness of, I told you to do something and you didn't do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just, it really affected me. I thought it was really strong. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. No. Was that a bad period? No, it was no. actually really good. That's great. Oh, I agree you with know, you. That, that well, really and that's... Go ahead, Andy. I was going to say, and that, that's like, uh, I think a perfect example of that is the moment when he's talking to, uh, to Emily and to Noah Taylor, the little scientist friend that she has. About, Tech support from Vanilla yeah. Sky. That's a right, fun little that's reunion, right? Right, right exactly. Uh, the, about how 
they, uh, he's finally gotten to the dam and he's he's found what's in there and and they're you know they're getting excited again about the the prospect of oh, yeah. knowing what this vision is and it's just that like you can see it on his face it's just like guys we've been there we've i've gotten there i've done that it, it's just like that the fact that he has to keep going through those same motions that everybody else plays you know the the reintroduction to uh to to Rita the reintroduction to Noah Taylor's character uh, he has to go through all these introductions over and over again uh, to make this whole thing work, like you said, how frustrating it is, and you can really see that in his face in that particular scene where he's just like trying to figure out what are we doing here uh, because we've been doing that. Like, like it's a perfect midpoint because it's like they did, it, they got to that point where they thought they were supposed to get to, and it's just it was a ruse. And that was a great twist. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, so the way the film starts to uh, starts to break down its own uh, time travel mechanics time looping mechanics uh when we hit this third act we discover we found the location of the omega in paris and uh and he is uh he's injured uh and so he gets a blood transfusion and so we are left to assume because that's the rule they've already set up when you get the blood transfusion you lose the the ability to reset time uh that first section where she comes in that first segment where she comes in and is about to kill him and he says wait wait wait, wait. <laughs> they gave me blood uh i thought that was super intense like i thought that was a fantastic uh, uh switch yeah uh and then we're left to figure out wait can i can i butt in again just because i'm good at butting in of course you can i liked that because I'm trying to be a writer. Like, I've written short films and stuff like that. But I, when they were like, oh, right, of course, you know, you have to, t- you have to make the real stakes and give him the human blood again so he can't just keep starting over. I was like, oh, right, of course. I don't know if I would have thought of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, just being completely self effacing of like, of course, that's. The, the how you up the stakes is for this time there's no coming back right. but i kind of cringed in my seat of like i didn't see that coming oh Darn that's it. too funny <laughs> yeah i'm the worst uh, t- <laughs> 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 i know totally <laughs> but no it needed to, i mean and that's also when the film started to not fall apart, but I started to lose a little bit of interest, but we can get into that. Continue what you were saying, Pete Wright. Well, I just want to uh, sort of try to unravel and at least come to an agreement about the end. I know Andy has been texting me, and (laughs) I think dying to talk about this on some level. Oh, the end end? Yeah, yeah. Andy, do you want to to walk us through how much you love this? I I mean, I think that my, like I said, I think my wife and I pieced it all together and maybe you guys all figured it out right away. I don't I know. I've only figured out half of it. Well, I, I know why he wakes up earlier in time. Well, yeah. And I think that's that, the only thing I've figured out. Well, I think I that think may be the whole thing. Got, well, that's, right. that's part of it. Okay. Uh, okay. So he, really he loses his ability to. Uh, to jump back in time, right? And I, I think that the way that the I think they say it early on that the that the mimics the time jumping ability it's it's a it's like a day it's about a day that they go back. It's Sounds like, like a save point. Yeah, right. So it's about one day that they get to go back. It's like you know I, I don't know if it's twenty four hours exactly, but it's something like that. So you know he he wakes up uh, you know uh, from when he's unconscious on the uh, on the landing strip. He's got the rest of that day that night and then basically the next morning where he first dies that was his kind of 24 hour period that he initially looped so he loses that 
because of the blood transfusion. And he, they come up with this plan to, to, break, you know, to break out of there with the J-Squad and to fly to the Louvre and to, to go and defeat these guys. Now, what happens is, uh, I don't know, I, I was really questioning a lot of things because I kept going, okay, Tom Cruise is kind of acting like he is um, kind of like he was at the farmhouse, whereas like he feels like maybe he really can still go back in time. But then Emily Blunt started acting like maybe she's going back in time. And then what happens is she says, you know, she's acting when they get underground. She's very direct with him, telling him very specific things to do. And she goes to she says, I am going to take out the uh, the alpha, the blue one. And well, no, to draw fire. To yes. She's going to draw the blue one. Right. But she's she, right. She's going to draw the blue one to her so that he can dive into the hole and go down and, and kill the Omega that's down right. in the big hole in the bottom. Right. So she goes and she gets killed by the alpha and then the alpha comes after him and he gets killed and then he gets doused in the blood again. So he's clearly got that uh, the time jumping ability back because he goes back in time and he's at a different save point now because um, they left earlier to yes. on the secret mission which is why he now jumped to an earlier start point which is why he was on the helicopter the day before because it all took later. place before the actual beach right landing exactly. and when now, i said i figured that out i would like to pay a call out to jess schneider and scott lamb who i saw the movie <laughs> with who told me that that's what that was thank you very much but but i think what also happens and i think this is very uh i think this is the only way that we could figure out that it worked is that when she goes and kills the or lets the alpha kill her she actually also does something to the alpha and she ends up getting the blood back on her at that point and I think what we're watching at the end there is actually Rita. The way that she's acting is because I think now we are at a point where Rita is reliving that final fight sequence over and over again. And we're watching the final, final fight of it where she's been going back through this loop of trying to get the, the jet to the right place and everything. And that's why she's surprised when he doesn't have his harness in. And she's telling him, you do this, this, and this. I'm going to go do this because she's gotten it down and she knows what they need to be doing now. And that's, I think, why she gives him that look. It's like, I wish I had gotten to know you more and gives him a kiss because she had actually had a lot more time to get to know him because they had been she had been reliving this final fight in the Louvre so many times. And um, so that so now that's why <laughs> when he goes back now and he's now major cage again and he's walking through, he recognizes her as Rita, but she also now recognizes him. And I think that's why they have that final interaction where at first she doesn't quite recognize him and she's like, yes, sir. And then she stands up and then she looks at him and she's like, what the hell are you doing here? Because I think there's that recognition between uh, the two of them now that they both are in their time loops together. Yeah, I think you're right. Phew. I, Steve, Steve, tell me what you thought, because I think, well, I think okay, I'm not quite there the, either. Because the alpha comes after him. It, you know, I don't see a sign of it being injured. I think it kills her, yeah. and it kills her. And the reason she says, I'm going to draw it away, is because he's injured. He just got dragged by that jet plane thing, you know, as he was hanging from his little rig where he had been, you know, shooting the things. And we see him get dragged and thrown around a bit, but he's injured. He can't move as fast as she can. And I think that's why she says, I'm going to draw him away because... I'm not injured. I'm going to draw it away. I can do that. It comes after him after it kills her. I don't think it's injured or it, it's it's dead, 
you know, well, it's not, dead. not dead, but no. you know, the blood wouldn't be, you know, we, I mean, we have to speculate because if it just got some blood on her, but it's still alive, then is that power split? And then, you know, just because she gets some of the blood, does that take all the power away from it? But when he, he gets killed by the alpha, he drops the grenades, the Omega blows up. He gets the blood from the Omega, which is like the main piece. And so for, I was trying to figure out why it reset the day before. The issue I have well, with it's more than a day because when they're going to do this thing in France or whatever, at one point she says, you know, we, we've got to do this fast. You know, they're going to be doing, you know, launching to leave for the beach in three hours. So it's right. not a full day before. It's just a few hours. So why would it reset him back a full day if they're only three, to, three hours earlier? I think it, has it was to only do about with, three hours before. Like his when he wakes up, when he's on the helicopter. Oh, okay. To right. when he's, okay. he's, you know, waking but, up but from being see, knocked out. It's only about But then that. when they go to, like, the farmhouse and all those other things where it's much later, then how come he doesn't reset to later points? And well, I think because has- the, the rule, I think they set up the rule pretty clearly, right? What happens when an, an alpha gets killed, that's the point that the omega can reset time to. But it doesn't. It resets him to the day before. Well, no, that's what 24, I mean. Twenty-four hours from that point. Where did it, it say that? Where did it say? I don't. It get, I don't remember well, they, that. She, she they tells him a day. She says yeah, they a say day. about a day. So the reason I think he goes to the day before, even though it's you know, it's why it's three hours earlier, is because, and this is the other part that I have trouble understanding, is they killed it. You know, so he's if we follow the timeline, he goes, meets Brendan Gleason, okay, gets knocked unconscious, wakes up on the, you know, there, that goes through training, whatever. So he's now coming back for that meeting at the very end. And when he goes in to Washington, I'm not Washington, London, wherever he is for that meeting with Brendan Gleason, he's not there. He's on there saying, oh, there was an explosion in Paris and, you know, all the mimics are dead. And I thought, okay, is that why it reset him to this point? Because... First, I don't know how he traveled back in time to before he had this whole experience. I'm trying to just to to wrap my head around that loop because they killed the Omega here. So were there were there time ripples back to some other previous reset point? Because that's the part I can't get my head around is how they died before he actually killed them. Well, I well, think that, that was that... because I think that was because the uh, we we've already set up the established the fact that the the omega and all of the alphas and all the things are one alien, right? right. But we also know that the uh, that they have to exist outside of normal time. Right. And so that's why we get that full day reset because if that's if you're I mean if you're right and it's a, about a day then you know as soon as he's killed he is he exists because he has the omega's blood on him right. he exists outside of the normal time and right. resets the full day. Right. I guess. I, I mean that's, I, again he's resetting to yeah I guess a full day before yeah, I don't know. Anyway, and, he's, he's, and he's because dying. they're all one creature, right? Yeah, that's right. why they're all still they all, dead. They're still dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, he gets it's, he gets reset to the point where yeah. the Omega's time, you know, loop is begins. Uh, begins. Right. Right. Does yeah. that mean in a in? Oh, am I back on the podcast? Yes. Okay. No. Does no. that mean that <laughs> he still the has the power? No. Do you think? I don't why? think so. Why? Because the Omega is now dead. But then yeah, how would you have been able to reset if the Omega was dead and the power has gone? It was a one-time use? Yeah, that's what oh, I'm yeah. thinking. Okay. Well, and the, th- the thing is... Oh, <laughs> because I was... Because <laughs> I know. wanted the sequel to be... Right, him. yeah. 
like trying to get credit for killing the Omega, and all it is is a two-hour movie of him being like, okay, your name's Scott. Your fourth-grade teacher was Harry. Like, he just has to go around the entire world telling everyone weird secrets and then, like, take lozenges. I thought that was... So here's the thing with, with the ending. It was the one note that I really had. I mean, I, t- I had a couple notes about the beginning of just, you know, Tom Cruise, reluctant hero, and then another part was, like, this whole why... Why does he reset to an earlier point? And I, you know, I discussed it with my daughters on the car ride back, and you know, everybody's <laughs> speculating about it. But then I, you know, I stopped, and we also talked about Groundhog Day, and it's like Groundhog Day. There's no explanation at all for the logic of what causes it or what ends it, really, other than I think Magic Snow ends it, um, and he finds true love or whatever. Play. But but there's yeah, but there's we get no explanation here. I think the problem comes because we have characters that don't know speculating and trying to establish some rules based on what how they think it works that we accept as truth which we have to really understand is they don't really know how it works either they're just trying to make sense of it if we latch onto those as rules then you know that's where we're going to get into these areas of well now this doesn't make sense with the rules that they made up uh these characters because they didn't even understand the rules themselves and i walked away saying you know what i can accept it for what it is you know, is there a logical reason to it? We can all come up with our own own versions of why this might be. But to me, it's still an enjoyable ending. I think it's, you know, feels consistent with the film. And you, you can nitpick and try to come up with the logic. But to me, I'm willing to let it go and say, I'm going to enjoy it as, the, as, as a nice ending to the story and resolution. So I think some people may be upset that it's too much of a happy ending that they put together for whatever reason but i i enjoyed it i'm fine with that to a point in the way that like it didn't bother me like things that i had and the unanswered things didn't ruin the film like it did personally for me for prometheus there was just too much to pick apart this didn't ruin the film but when i watch the film again if i get it like on Redbox or something i will stop i know i will stop when he releases all the pins underwater yeah yeah. Because I'm fine with that answer. Right. I'm fine oh, sure. with that yeah. ending. There was no need for this other part. Everyone right. did what they needed to do, and right. I think that they just happy ended it for yeah. in an unsatisfying Wait, way. You really do that? Really? You just you just watch a movie until you're satisfied when it's over for you, and then you <laughs> you literally stop it. Name a movie. I watch every time I've watched Titanic. Right before they hit the iceberg, I turned it off. <laughs> well, I, and, I I be- say... and I believe that Jack and Rose are still sailing cool. <laughs> I will say with Lincoln, I saw it in the theater. I saw it on DVD. I think the next time I, if I do watch that, I'm going to end at that point where he's walking down the hallway. Because to me, that is the end of the story. And then it gives us the stuff that everybody expects out of a Lincoln film. But Jeez. there's that moment where he walks... He's walking away from the camera down the White House hallway towards the door, and we know what's coming next. And to me, we don't need all of that. And that felt to me, I thought, yay, this is, yay, the movie's over. Oh, wait, what? We're, there's more? Because it felt See, like a nice ending. I have to, I'll and, have to send you my supercut of Lincoln and Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> I think you'll like that better. It, inter- it, it, it cuts cut in those? and out. Yeah, I did a, my own supercut of those. <laughs> what does that even it's really, mean? It's really fantastic. Lincoln, it's, you get Lincoln running around in the jungle in his underwear. It's fantastic. <laughs> Have hey, you guys ever watched the film Remember thing. the Titans in Reverse? No. It has to do what? with a really, really nice town 
where Denzel Washington shows up, makes everyone racist, and then leaves. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my joke. I read that on 4chan. I'm sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> but I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, Andy. Seriously, do you do this too? Of course, never, you do. No, You've never, never done, done this. That. No, I mean, I, I mean, I will watch the whole thing, and even if I say, you know, okay, well, I wish that they had ended it there. Like AI is a good example. Uh, I, I still am going to watch it, and then I'm going to go, man, if they only ended it when he was underwater <laughs> staring at the blue fairy, right? So, you yeah. know, but but uh, I'm still going to watch it. I mean, I yeah. I could never turn it off. I mean, the only time I, that yeah, I've I don't have the, that was, like I don't have the I stuff to do was, it. Yeah, I did it once as a test with. Um, Carlito's way where I actually started it late. I cut out the 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 intro which you know I mean the movie kind of starts Sells spoiling it, yeah. the ending. And so right. I, I cut I cut that off and I started it at the point where the story starts and I found it a much more enjoyable film. Mm, Cuz you don't see it coming. You're not just yeah. waiting for the summer. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, but you know, as far as uh, as far as no, I I, I would never and, and and honestly, the ending for this film, I really enjoyed that last bit. I don't, I didn't find it unsatisfying. I really enjoyed the two of them back together, and the way that I'm reading the film, I think works really well for me. And I I love the way that the two of them end up coming together because I don't I don't think that your way explains it very well. So there, whose way? Well, well, I don't know. I somebody, just like that. Somebody told me I was wrong, as I recall. That's right. <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> uh, Pete did. Ooh. Not me. No, that was Steve. You can live in your land of disillusionment and <laughs> fantasy, and that's fine with me. But I think we can all agree that it's, it is an enjoyable ending. Well, it's I, it ends it before the rest of us. But it wasn't one where I felt that it was. I mean, I I think they're, yeah, Andy, it's, you're right. I think when they, start to, when, they, when they start to get to Paris, things do slow down a little bit. And I couldn't figure out, and again, maybe that comes from we're so used to seeing things being able to repeat that now we've got a long sequence of, okay, where are they going? What's going on? We don't have that. I mean, the, the whole time reset gives us this, you know, sort of feedback loop of what, what's working, what's not working. Now we're sort of like going with without a net of like anything can go. Uh, which created a little bit of a suspense, but then I realized, well, no, because we know they can't die. They've got to make it because this has got to be the last, you know, the last effort because they can't die. Otherwise, they're going to fail, and the movie's n not going to end like that. So I thought, okay, it, it, it started to get a little bit into, you know, there's six of them, and then they finally, of course, it's got to get narrowed down to just those two. And I thought, really, do we have to, you know, go that route where it's just the two of them and, you know, but... But see, that's the, that is an actual problem. I don't think they needed actually to do that. I mean, they could have had more of them make it. Yeah. Like, that was just sort of an arbitrary yeah. thing. Right. Uh, For me, the problem was why I started to lose interest was in the same way that I always lose interest in films that we talk about is... It's more than 90 minutes long? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that it... Um, it became more like the third Matrix than the first Matrix. I'm right. very yeah. interested in humans doing human things, yeah. dealing with stuff. And with this, it became the it really became the Sentinels from the Matrix. Oh yeah, yeah. And then everyone had their exoskeletons got even huger when hooked into the helicopter. Like I just I I yeah. don't know. I like sci-fi, but I think there's a way to really keep it humanized and mm -hmm. this film became sort of a big 
boss battle. I think yeah. it's funny that you actually say you like sci-fi. <laughs> but I think I really do. Like Event Horizon, Alien, yeah. Aliens, even okay. Alien 3, even Alien 4, All Alien right. 5. If make... I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> screaming. But I think I do. But what is important to me is not crazy fake things running after fake things. I think right. that there's a way to do it. Um, and this film still, I still really liked this movie. But the end became the big summer blockbuster yeah. that I was afraid it was going to be and wasn't for so long. Right. And so when it became that, I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, let's take this big ship and pretend that it's a car and I'm lot nonsense and things. And yeah. What? How long have I been talking? You Point know, I, I, no, I get it. I, I get it. I, it didn't, that didn't, didn't bother me. And I, you know, I want to, I want to just turn gears, change gears a little bit and talk about Emily Blunt. Can we do that? Well, yes. I do, I want, I, before we do, I have one more question for you guys that I, I briefly oh. brought up about that end um, that I do feel is something that I, I still am grappling with the logic behind it is, is when they are all strapping in, in the dropship, flying into, into Paris and everybody does harness in, except for Tom Cruise. And Emily, um, you know, she's in her, she gets into her harness and she drops. And, and then she looks at him and she's like, why aren't you in your harness? And, and he gives her a look like, uh, I'm going down. To, like, I couldn't figure out what his logic was there. Like, why oh, does, he, why does he, he stay on the plane there and crash into the river? Oh, well, he said that somebody needed to stay up in the air for eyes in the sky to keep them covered. And, and, and he, I think he was trying to talk her into doing that. And she said, no, I'm going. As I, as I recall, oh, so I thought that that they had. Didn't they have a knowing look after the ship had been hit? No, it was before uh, the. Hit. Was it before? But that? I yeah. think I think the I could be completely wrong, but I think the knowing hit was the knowing look was he was trying to give her an out, a final out. She didn't take it, and all of the rest of that was him becoming Bill Paxton, literally. Was we that was the final thing we needed yeah. to see of yeah. him becoming wimpy Magoo and then instead being the one saying, Release, go, go. Like he he became Bill Paxton's character from the very first part from his first death. Yeah, but even Bill Paxton was on the beach. I mean, he obviously had strapped in at some point and dropped down to the beach. So why doesn't he just strap himself into the little harness thing and, and drop down with everybody else? Because it's the edge of tomorrow, Andy. <laughs> No, I, it's Trump. a good question, and I don't know. I think that the symbolism that the, I, I, and maybe I'm not thinking about it too much. I think the symbolism they really wanted to give us was to remind us how far he's come. Yeah. yeah. I definitely agree with that, although I deeply wish we could, all four of us could go see this movie together again so yeah. I could stand up and say, you're all wrong. I totally believe that there was a knowing look right okay, after well. the thing was hit. <laughs> You can come down here, and we can all watch it in Atmos, and you can stand up and try to say things, and we'll, it'll be drowned out by the amazing soundscape surrounding us. Goodness. Wait, what do you mean? You think that the ship was going down, and they shared a little wink? It, well, I think because she, she was like, what are you doing? And he looked at her. He did that Tom Cruise, like, don't you? I'm awesome. You know, he did that kind of head tilt thing. There was this knowing look after he was yelling people to to go down. She was like, "What are you doing?" Um, and, and there was a, it just As it was all very confusing. And this was yesterday. Yes, yeah, like somebody like this goes back to Andy's point, which I am starting right. to to buy into. I can't believe it that actually she was <laughs> she had been looping. She had looped this yeah. far um, at at some point. But how could they be, both be in their same loop, or do we already go over that? I don't no, know. He's not in a loop anymore. It's just right. her at it's that point. It's just her. 
he doesn't oh, get to start jumped, a loop. We've jumped to her loop. Right. Think, and Andy thinks that she's now looping because of the final showdown with the Alpha that she acquired the ability to loop. So the whole, you know, Louvre assault, she has looped through that several times. And, and oh. right. So she's doing that several times. And he doesn't start looping again until that very last moment when he gets doused in blood after he blows the Omega up. See, the only thing that I have a question with is I thought oh. that I thought that the looping was dependent on the uh, on the Alpha dying at the time. And so that Alpha clearly lived yeah. uh, after the, the uh, yeah, I guess it's confusing. It's a little confusing because when when he went to the place where they were they were setting the trap for him, they were basically waiting for him to just bleed. So they because they're like they wanted my blood. Yes. So it's right. like they weren't waiting for him to die. They were just wanting his blood. Oh, that's a good point. Changing See, the rules. I like yeah. that, but the the only problem I have I have a two part problem with your plan, Andy. Number one, <laughs> if it was that smart they couldn't resist letting us know. And number two, Doug Lyman directed Jumper. <laughs> That's just mean, man. That is mean. Let somebody live down his past mistakes. The head film was terrible. Oh, okay, fair enough. No, because hey, I read the original script. The original script of Jumper was no, the, the, the novel. Oh. I, I don't I've never read the books. Okay. Okay, uh, let's talk about Emily Blunt. Oh, yes. I mean, everyone upset about Jumper. I mean, <laughs> no. Jumper fans in the room. No, no, no. Weird. No. no. I, I actually love Jumper only because I wish I were a Jumper. Like, that's the only reason. Like, that is such the cool, that is like the coolest power. If I could have a superpower like that, that would be the one. It was cool. I have a very personal anger about Jumper, and I will explain it to you off the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's a, that's oh, a I can't wait. that no one cares about. Awesome. I okay. thought Emily Blunt is amazing, and she should be in every action film. <laughs> <laughs> and she does great, considering this is her first action film. I mean, yes. she's, she's stellar. I thought she was super alive. I loved it. Oh, yeah. She yeah. was super alive. What? What? Is super that a alive. No, I, it's an awesome I, thing to say. I just need to parse it. The film alive. She like did. She... What I love so much about it is they made her a brute. I mean, we talk uh, about you know this oh, uh, yeah. building these uh, you know these strong uh, female characters right in these films, and they always end up in um, you know skin tight like clothes, and just they still end up kind of being objects, right? And in this movie, they just made her a full on hero. And yeah. I loved that. She was always dirty and grimy and wearing, like, robot stuff. And she was still uh, a fantastic hero. And yet, at the end, when she leans in and kisses him, in spite of any of the time travel rigmarole, it is a—it's, uh, it, like, just a wonderful experience of her taking ownership of that relationship. Uh, and I loved watching uh, her in this film. I really, really did. I agree. Yeah. I I didn't personally care for the kiss. Yeah, just was, because I didn't. I yeah. felt it was oh. that was Hollywood. Uh, yeah, that was American Hollywood, sort of like pushing in. I didn't need it, but eh, but oh, I also really guys. liked all oh, of yeah. his. No, but I take it back because I loved all of his 
it didn't come out of nowhere because of all yes. of his hor- uh, his horrible feelings about like let's just spend some more time and have coffee and stuff. <laughs> or insinuating that they can transfer power through having sex. Yeah, that, that was, was that just was like, brilliant. Yeah. Was like he's such just like a schemer. Because he is. He was still a schemer, yes, and he was like yeah. through all of these loops. Yeah. He was yeah, still in his way romancing her, and that's oh, yeah. like that is what made this romance so interesting. And he they never uh, they never took it to that point. I think you talk about American Hollywood creeping in. If American Hollywood were creeping in, we would get the, oh my God, we're late for PT because we're in bed and the sun is coming uh, in over the bed yeah, and they, I'm going to stand up making, and here's my back. Yeah. And They would it, have been making love at that farmhouse. Not yes. Top. Well, but I think, th- and I take back what I said before uh, because you're right. Like they did spend yeah. a lot of time on his, the amount of time that she talked about having to see Rufus, whatever that guy's name was, Benedict, and, I don't remember. Hendrix. Hendrix. No, yeah. I think it was Rufus. Okay. Um, <laughs> die over 300 times. They really yeah. spent enough time with that to make it work. And also, I think that there were times that they did make love in that barn, which is fun to think about. Honestly. <laughs> no, I'm not jo- no, I'm not joking. No, I wonder I think, about no, I think you're right. I they think went you're right. through it so many times, and then he overstepped his thing of like, right. oh, right, you like three. And then she yeah. was like, how many times yes. have we been there? I yeah. bet they did have intercourse at that barn sometimes, especially after he learned she's out of the story once uh-huh. they get oh, right. towards that helicopter. Exactly. Which is, which is really interesting and really haunting, and I feel bad about what I said before, and I take it back. You Thank should. No, Thank no, you. That's no, good. Don't take it back. No, no take it back, it because it what back. happens in there, there was... is Bridges of Madison County, and they it cut is... it all, which is <laughs> yes. brilliant. But we know it happened. It is stricken from the record, and now I'm going to shoot myself in the head so and we can start, start this over. entire podcast from the beginning. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next reel. Oh. Because you know, there was a point earlier in the film where they were, I don't know, was they were in that training room or whatever, and they ended up on the on the ground together, and people behind me are like, oh, are they going to kiss? And I'm like, oh, gosh, really? And so when they finally did, they were like, oh, they're kissing! And I'm like, oh, really? And maybe that's what ruined it for me. It was like that's, people yeah. that were like excited to see that happen, and I thought, you know, it, 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 it wasn't completely, you know, upsetting to me. It, it didn't feel completely out of place. I didn't think it was necessary. I Going back to her, you know, the moment where she talks about Hendrix and what why what under what conditions she would have told him that and i thought that was interesting and then she mentioned she saw him die 300 times and then i i started thinking how many times has he seen her die yeah it's that's when it got really weird and interesting yeah i thought it's got to be well over 300 times because of just trying to like plot that route and how many times at the helicopter i mean she, he's got to have seen her die hundreds and hundreds thousands of times and i thought okay but what it did for her to her, for her as a character, which I appreciate, is it, it it didn't make her a weak character. It just made her, you know, she had to toughen herself up, and that's how she's handling that. And that's what I really appreciated about her character is through all these resets, she, you know, he always shows up, and she's like, you know, who are you? Why are you talking to me? And even though they only have the one day, she, there, that toughness always remains. It's, it's. You know, when they finally get to France, things, you know, may have softened up a little bit, but still there's, you know, she's only known him for a a day. And I thought that came through that it wasn't Mm. like, oh, wow, they're like, 
super trustworthy best buddies. She gets that a little bit, I think, because she understands she's been through, he's been through this, you know, having been on the other side of that, of having to gain people's trust and having to, you know, try to convince them. She knows she's got, if he's going to say, hey, I know these things, okay, she can sort of implicitly trust him because she knows the challenge of trying to convey all this information that you've learned over three months to somebody in five minutes and get and get them on board with that and i thought it was a really nice characterization for you know having a strong female character that you know as you said it wasn't in you know it, it wasn't girly it was she's a, she's a soldier she's she's the top soldier she commands respect from everybody i mean that was at the end of you know they're like you know, Jay company is like, why are we going to follow you? He's like, you're not going to follow me. He's like, you're going to follow her. And she mm-hmm. walks in and it's just like, oh, yeah, because yeah. that's who she is. She commands that that respect. And that I think was, you know, what I really appreciate about what they did with that character. They kept that all the way through. Love it. Love it. Yep. Uh, OK, Very screenplay by Christopher McQuarrie. Yes. Love Christopher McQuarrie. Does feel he- like a Christopher McQuarrie screenplay? Who are the other two? Because I, I heard that this got punched up Don't they make, to make it less somber. Are the other two um, a... Macquarie was the last one. In the oh. The little article I read was he was the last one, I think, that... To touch it? That, that, yeah, to touch it. Because it had a lot of Macquarie feeling to it. Yeah. The Butterworths, uh, uh, let's see, they did Fair Game. That was Also the, uh, directed by Doug Lyman. Yeah the Sean Penn Naomi Watts movie. Okay. Uh, so, but I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about them though. So maybe he came in and made it. He probably brought a lot of the funny and was yeah. maybe really good. Cause I mean, with even from, of course the most obvious usual suspects, but also I think the way of the gun, he's really good at knowing when we should go to the, when we should leave a scene and go to another scene. Right, he knows how to do the transitions. Yeah, he's masterful at that. And I thought this film was almost too brilliant at that, wondering how much is on the cutting floor. Yeah. Because it seemed almost perfect to know when to cut away and when films, when the audience would be okay with it. I loved loved that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I yeah, I really liked it. You know, one of the things that's interesting is I'm thinking about the book. Uh, the book is much much darker, and I think that is the the Christopher McQuarrie-ness of, uh, of bringing the funny. Yeah. Um, and and as far as I understand, and I, I again I haven't read the end of the book, but as far as I understand, the end is significantly different and super depressing. So it's probably the, the, book, end of the book. Yeah, the book okay. it would have been the movie that you know you guys would have loved. <laughs> yeah, I, I I got I changed a bit. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we we like the screenplay overall. I think we've talked a lot about the architecture of the screenplay, and and I think overall it works. Um, and Doug Lyman um, directs. Uh, we uh, we feel good about about his performance here too, even after Jumper and Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Oh, see, I like Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Jumper, something went horribly wrong with Jumper. I think that he did a great job with this, though. I mean, I think that the, yes. the action scenes, the choreography, the 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 sense of space in all the action scenes, I have a pretty good sense of that. Uh, you know, the beach scenes, uh, the 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 intimate scenes between the two characters. I think he had a great balance with the, with the character moments and with the the effects moments. He really uh, tied it all together really well. 
I agree. Yeah, I thought it was really nicely done. Way too easy. Jumper. Jumper. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> are we still talking about jumper? Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Jumper. Well, I, you know, I think uh, overall is way that's uh, way too easy of a conversation. I think we should uh, we 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 should unless well, we unless we have other points. I'm sure, Andy, I, what I, you got? I think we we have to at least mention the the brilliance of making a film with these mech suits, uh, and and talking about an effects film where you actually have your actors physically in these suits. I mean, I can't mm. remember how many pounds these suits were, but I mean, I think hers was like 80 some pounds and his was over a hundred pounds uh, of just suit that the, they are wearing as actors. And they're, I mean, a la, uh, you know, just like Forrest Gump, when, when Forrest is running, carrying Lieutenant Dan, they actually have Dan on wires so that, that Tom Hanks can run with Forrest, uh, with, with Gary Sinise in his arms. I didn't this know is, that. Th- yeah, they, they actually have him on wires so that he, I mean, because he's running from the inferno of the forest. Sure. This is the, the same thing here where they actually have these guys doing all of the scenes and all the, just everything in the, when they're in their mech suits, they're on wires so that Wait, they can be running at, yeah, in this film. So that when they're running, they're running at full tilt as fast as they can in these suits, but they're on wires so that they don't trip and fall. And I mean, I think that the the way that they, uh, found to to build the world of this film um, as tangibly as possible and as physical in the uh, in the effects sense as possible i think i give them huge kudos and again tom cruise is the sort of guy who when he's doing these big movies i mean he always goes 110 percent whether it's you know actually dangling out the side of that building in dubai or whether it's wearing this mech suit and doing all these stunts i mean He's the sort of guy who I think is is uh, perfect to put that into uh, into play for a film like this to make it feel that much more real. And I think it brings a lot to this film that these guys are in these mech suits for the like the majority of the film. Absolutely, you know there was a there was one of the um, really interesting uh, bits of the of the book that they brought in here is that her weapon is you know it's the sword in the. Um, you know, in the uh, movie, uh, right. in the book, it's a it's a battle axe. It's a it's an axe that they make for her out of uh, out of this old equipment. But they say it's a two hundred kilogram um, <laughs> battle axe, which is four hundred and forty pounds. Yeah. Uh, and that um, <laughs> you know the the whole sequence in the book is you know you got to be pretty spectacular with it because apparently inside the mimics they actually have an uh, a, a, they they have an uh, endoskeleton inside the that that it takes a lot of pressure to to crack, but they, you know, they kept running out of ammunition, and so they needed these. She wanted this weapon that you would not run out of ammunition; you could just keep going. And with the mech mm. suit, she could do it. But they said you have to be very careful because when you swing it, uh, it you know, if you miss, you'll break your back on the backswing. It'll just twist you right apart. Wow. Uh, yeah, and so uh, because of the force of the thing with the mech suit, like they make a big deal about just what kind of a of an artist she is with that weapon. Um, and and I think in the I watching her wield this thing, it wasn't cartoony in the movie. It wasn't. Uh, I mean, you talk about the effect of her with a sword, which otherwise can just it, it ends up coming off as just weirdly anime kind of manga twist to it. But I think it came off really well uh, watching yeah. her with that sword. Which is surprising because it would it'd be dumb to bring a sword to an alien fight. Yes, but they made it work. They made it You're work. Exactly right. It it made sense that because kind of like Starship Troopers, it takes way too many bullets to kill these metallic ants. Yeah, in Starship Troopers. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, 
Um, and to go back to your original point also about Doug Lyman's direction, this film had a lot of... I was really impressed that this film had physical humor. This film had huge action scenes. This film had a lot of pathos at times between this had and a lot of world weariness like I, that can't all just be and also a lot of twists like five to six pretty major twists and none of them i felt were handled wrongly i thought they were all handled really beautifully i'm a much bigger fan i was always a fan of doug lyman and then i wasn't and then i was again and this is like he's really got it i really admire him because this film should be looked at as more of a... He's handling a lot of different genres all in one big summer tentpole, more yeah. than other things are, which is really admirable, and he does it really well. Absolutely. Dion Beeb uh, did the... Uh, or Beebe. Who is it, Andy? Beeb. Uh, I think it's Beeb. I would say Beeb. Beeb. It's like Mr. Beeb. It's Mr. spelled Beeb. the same as Mr. Beeb. From, yeah, uh, well. Uh, I did the cinematography, uh, and and I think back to the, you know, you talk about the effects work. I mean, I just think the cinematography, they put the camera in the right place just about every time. And I think to, I don't know whose point was it, this this idea of what a challenge camera placement is in a movie where you have to repeat sequences over and over again. Yeah. Uh, it, it was really artfully done. And, and the shaky cam was, you know, it wasn't too much. I think, you know, one of the things Andy will often point out is, are they doing a good job of keeping you oriented as to where you are in terms of everything, especially in a combat scene where there's so much going on? Uh, we've got shaky cam and things, you know, moving around so fast. It wasn't disorienting to me. I could track where things were going because there's sometimes they'll put so much on the screen and there's so much moving. It's like, what am I supposed to be looking at? It's just uh, just visual noise. But in this case, there was there was a lot going on, but it was well balanced so that i knew where i was supposed to be looking i was seeing things and i always knew where i was i agree i think it was it it was really disorienting when we were in a fox pit oh sure yeah with uh tom cruise and that's that's on purpose when you have a horrible spider creature from my nightmares in a fox (laughs) fox pit is that a thing it's a fox hole But I think that's been a long that, time since you've served, yeah, doesn't it, Tom? That's the uh, that's his first time. <laughs> that's the first time through it. It's I think Tom, you said that you have that sort of Saving Private Ryan feel, right? Uh, you know, and so like when he's out, when he's in that first fox closet, yeah. um, <laughs> it really. <laughs> but what an what a yeah. great what a great example of of his character taking control of the right. the environment. Like he got better at it, and you become more accustomed to the landscape to the point where when he's right. running around the oh, the yeah. rim of that uh, kind of pit <laughs> yeah. on the beach, That's funny. that yeah. was brilliant. Oh yeah. Can, uh, I, can I add another movie? Again, not insulting this movie, but Minority Report. The entire oh, yes. time when yes. when he's leading her through the mall yes, to stop, exactly. let's right, go behind right. the that also minority report. Oh, yeah. yeah, very much. And you know, it was as I was watching this, you know, his first time, you know, being dropped, and and you know, as I said, it, it very much had that Saving Private Ryan feel. I I thought, oh, now I know why they released this film on this weekend. Right. Yes. Because of D-Day. Yeah. yeah. Of D-Day. And I thought, oh my gosh, that I wasn't even thinking about that. And then I'm in this. Thinking, wow, this is you know they, it, you know something starting in Germany, spreading out through all over Europe, invasion of the beach of Normandy, right? Yeah, exactly. I thought, wow, what an interesting you know 
sort of new take on on that that uh again still always felt fresh and i think that's really you know i think my big takeaway from this is it's a it's an action film big summer tentpole but something fresh that managed to weave a lot of things together and did it really well in a very entertaining way that will i think keep everybody happy well, the question is, is it going to make money? Because I, I know that, uh, you know, from what I was reading, uh, and I think I, I sent yeah. you guys the link to this, it's like this is a film that's getting a lot of critical acclaim, but a lot of uh, it, they're not expecting it to make record-breaking numbers, at least domestically. They feel really? like it's going to make its money back internationally. Because but it's, even... going up against, it's going up against The Fault in Our Stars, and that's where all your teens are this weekend. Well, uh, oh, yeah, you're well, kidding me. I oh, that's so surprising. That movie My already screening took last in, night wasn't sold out, yeah. Oh, no, ours was, was pretty full, but I, I did sold out. Fault in Our Stars had already taken in over $50 million or, as of, like, Friday or late today or something. So it's tracking to be the top one. But I, I think as word of mouth gets out about this one, I think that's going to give this film some legs because people are looking at it going, oh, it's another Tom Cruise action film. And I think... The fact yep. that it is, it is humorous, it's fresh, and it's it's not something you've seen before. I think it, you know, second week. I'm 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 fingers crossed, hoping that people will really discover this one and 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 support this one because it is something that I think I want more of these, not more sequels to other things that feel really generic. I want you know more really. I I hate to call it you know original sci-fi because it's based on a book, but it isn't franchised and sequelized. Yeah. And we need more of those. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is that is original. You can call that original just yeah, because okay. it's not a franchise or a sequel. Right. Well, it's adapted from other material. So. And I would recommend this, yeah. like you were saying, to everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't well, know I that it was maybe in trouble. That's so weird. Well, again, I, you know, it's going to be one of those that will probably make big overseas. But, I mean, yeah, the, all of the stuff that I've been reading, I mean, I'm looking at one right now. It says, like, why isn't this film hyped as a huge hit? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just one of those things where, yeah. And I was talking to our babysitter last night. She didn't even she hadn't even heard of the movie before, but she had seen The Fault in Our Stars on Thursday night when it opened. And so it was strange to me that she hadn't even heard of this. And you know, I mean, Tom Cruise, he's he's acting like he's a young action star, but I mean, he's fifty two this year. I mean, yeah. he's you know, he really. I don't know if he is drawing in the young crowd. I mean, I was talking to my wife about this last night. It's like it's like us as kids. Getting excited about you know the big Burt Reynolds movie that Dad was going to go see over the weekend. I love those Burt Reynolds movies. No, <laughs> come on, he's more of a Robert Redford thing, not or, or Robert Redford maybe. No. But even yes. then, I wouldn't have gotten excited yeah. about a right. Robert Redford movie when I was right. a kid. Right. I know his star has been tarnished a lot. I think if I had to blame something on something, although like the. The original title, which I know they filmed with, was All You Need Is Kill. That's, that was the so, original name of the book. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a translation problem. <laughs> That's a terrible title. <laughs> but then to go to Edge of Tomorrow, yeah, that's a, a terrible book. title. Yeah, I've got to be honest. Like, What's funny I is the book just... has been re-released as Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, well, no. yeah. Then I'm wrong. They should have gone then with the movie. Just, just uh, hey, I'm not the saying. Tagline. Well, they yep. did say, the producer said about yeah. changing the title, he said, I think the word kill in a title is very tricky in today's world. I don't yeah. know that people want no, to be true. bombarded with that word. I don't yeah. know if people want to be opening the newspaper and seeing that word. We see it yeah. enough in the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. Can I suggest a new title for the movie? Of course. I'm trying to think about it being like an action adventure, very serious, very kind of cool. Oh, boy, here we go again. 
<laughs> what do you guys think? Like, think that think of that on a poster. I can see the trailer right now. Tom I can Cruise. see the voiceover. Oh boy, here we here go, we go again. again. And he's doing that kind of like point over his shoulder with a weird look at Emily Blunt. <laughs> it's, it's really good. If Somebody... you liked Ping Pong Summer and A Long Way Down, you'll right. love. Oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. Here, here we, we go. go again. <laughs> That's why I'm not ever in charge of anything. <laughs> Somebody else had said, suggested that they were disappointed that Bill Paxton didn't actually say in this film because it would have been perfect. Oh, Game over, man. man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He was a neat oh. choice for that role, though. He, he I was. thought so, too. Great. I thought so, too. All right. Now, are we ready to rank it? What do we yeah. think? I think we're ready. Let's yes. do it. Uh, instead of the normal one, because I enjoyed this film so much, I wrote a very quick theme song that I think in the 80s would have played after this movie. Here's how it goes. Do it again, we're at the edge of tomorrow. <laughs> Live, die, repeat. Try it again, we're at the edge of tomorrow. There's no defeat. <laughs> Flick shot. <laughs> Don't you remember when films would have... They would have... Wait, let me, talk, let me say my piece. They would always have the name of the film... And then they would sing a song about exactly what it was. <laughs> was this a mistake? Pete, write down the time code. I may regret this as you soon know, as I've done it. get to. Because I just saw, I mean, right there, this was the full Judd Nelson at the end. And Tom Cruise right? is walking down the beach and he pumps his fist in the air and it freezes. Right. right there. Do it again. We're at the edge of tomorrow. Live, die, repeat. <laughs> Good. Well, I appreciate you guys not immediately like oh. sending me a virus and I'm wow. out of the podcast. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh, that's that awesome. We, uh, if you want to, uh, oh, I don't even know how to transition from that. <laughs> Head over to flickchart.com slash TNR Film Board if you want to catch up with the uh, other films we've talked about over the last almost two years of Oof. Film Board. Uh, episodes and uh, you can see how they stack up and we'll see will edge of tomorrow uh, crack the top 10 please god let it crack the top 10 (laughs) (laughs) all right we ready we're ready edge of tomorrow or divergent say it again i'm sorry edge of tomorrow or divergent cloud atlas cloud atlas (laughs) yeah i know exactly how do you want to do the old pete Pete, do you want to call on us, or do you want us to no, just... No, no, yeah, yeah, just call it out. Uh, edge of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow or Side Effects. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, edge, edge of, of tomorrow. tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. But I like Side Effects. Yeah. I like to uh, mitigate it every once in a while. Edge of Tomorrow or World War Z. Hmm. Ooh. I would still say Edge of Tomorrow. I would, too. I really liked it. Huh. I feel this is Brad Pitt versus say, Tom Cruise. I, you know, I thought I was thinking about this this afternoon of where this one's going to fall and which ones it's going to come up against. And World War Z one was where I was expecting Pete to say, "But zombies." Yeah. No. I, <laughs> and don't get me but wrong. No, I, I think this no, uh, I, Edge of Tomorrow would have been better with zombies. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you could argue that Tom Cruise is a zombie because he always comes back from the dead. But I'm going to. Oh agree with yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow, no, definitely. I think it it just really pacing, freshness, everything it did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I will also say Edge of Tomorrow, but it's much closer. All right. 
All right, look at that. Moving up. All right, Edge of Tomorrow or Prisoners? Ooh. Now it seems like we're like making moral choices. <laughs> <laughs> like one is about stolen children and one's about metallic robots. All right. <laughs> I I'm going to say Edge of Tomorrow uh, just for the rewatchability factor because yeah. Prisoners as brilliant as that film is, it's not a film <laughs> that true. I no, that's, to, yeah. watch again too often because yeah. it is hard. Just imagine holding both of these movies up in front of your family and saying, hey, guys, movie watch? movie night. Well, well, is it Christmas? Well, every, every Christmas we get around the fire, and we, we watch, watch prisoners. prisoners, and then we try not to make a murder-suicide pact. Well, it depends what message I want to send to my kids. If it's, right. listen oh, to me, and don't question my authority, we're going to watch Prisoners, and you're going to see why you need to listen yeah. to me, versus, hey, kids, let's watch something fun, and, and things explode. How bad are no, you going to feel when I take a neighbor and put him in a box? Right. <laughs> uh, for that reason, I like that reasoning. I will say Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. All right, man, we're moving way up no, to the top. Are. Edge of Tomorrow or Gravity? <gasps> I am... This Maze. this one is really difficult. Yeah. Oh, the CF. Oh. Mm. I, I I'm going gravity on this one. He's going gravity. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to stop singing. Um, <laughs> nothing more. gets me down. Nothing I... gets him down. <sighs> gravity. You know what? Or... Believe it or not, I'm going to go with Edge of Tomorrow. He's on the record. Wow. I feel like as uh, Gravity is gorgeous. And, but the reason I'm going to watch Gravity moving forward is because it's gorgeous. It doesn't, uh, the, the story itself doesn't challenge me to think about things in a, new, in a different way. It doesn't, Good point. It, it doesn't offer me something new to chew on. And I have a feeling Edge of Tomorrow is going to be that movie. And it also was gorgeous. Good point. I like all those points. I'm going to also go, if it's okay, with Edge of Tomorrow. Thank you. All right. <laughs> I'm oh, very no. regal. That was very regal. <sighs> Who are we you waiting on? Down to Steve. Waiting on, you're waiting on me, and that's a, that's a tough one. because It I've is a tough one. Also because he's, he may create a tiebreaker. Yeah, but see, Gravity was one that just... Is it just an amazing feat and is very entertaining? Can I can I ask you what might help or what might not? Now, ask me, now that ahead. you know the ending, what would be the most fun to see again? Oh, well, I guess it's, it's not my exact, it's not my turn. They're it's both the exact same thing that Pete said. Okay, so, I, I so think Tom, which, which ending are we talking about? Are we talking about the movie's real ending or, or your ending <laughs> on Edge of Tomorrow? <laughs> oh, right. Uh, but see, I that's just... exactly the point, right? I right. feel like I really want to see it again just because of that. And the only reason I really want to see Gravity again is when I meet somebody who hasn't seen Gravity. Well, <laughs> Really? Oh yeah, I, I mean, think, I, I, I think feel like it was good. I've seen it three or four times now, and uh, I, I love feel it. Like it's you're gorgeous. Way selling it though, possibly, I, I, possibly. Yeah. I don't disagree with that, but I also think I've seen that it three or four times. Yeah. Oh wow, you're awesome. Okay, I saw the Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which was. I, I where would you rate that? <laughs> Where's Cloud Atlas? <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> shut it. I'm coming to your house. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh, I'm going with gravity because there was a just an awe. There's just an 
it really left a mark on me. See that? Uh, see that? And seeing it again, and it just it 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 balances everything. It's not one of those. There's some films that I enjoy, and it's a unique experience to go through, like. Dancer in the Dark is a movie I probably don't know that I'll ever watch again, but it was just a powerful experience. And Gravity has that, but it is also very entertaining and, and keeps, you know, it's something Man, can I, I want to change my vote to Gravity. Oh, you chicken. You're a chicken. <laughs> hey, don't make I, the grumpy old man come out. No, I'm not. Like, I'm really, no, I'm not joking. Like, I really yeah. feel, because I've forgotten, I forgot it's the difference of having seen Gravity a long time ago and right. having seen Edge of Tomorrow w- w- 30 minutes, minutes before. Right. Yeah, it's the recency. This is how my daughter votes on Flick Chart. It's, it's what she's seen most recently. Because <laughs> Gravity destroyed me. Oh, So yeah. I'm gonna, I would like to change it to Gravity unless that makes it difficult. No, it makes, no, it, it, makes it actually it's quite easy. easy. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, you just curb stomped Pete. That's fine. Yep, and that's oh. fine. Who's did it? <laughs> I'm still All right. Uh, well, that leaves it at number two on Flick Chart. Whoa! Number one, then Edge of Tomorrow, then Prisoners. That's right. Two out of 23. With a bullet. Wow. That's right. That's right. Well, good, because right I think it deserves it. I don't feel weird yes. or bad about that. I don't either. I, I think yeah. it's a fantastic film. I, yeah. This is an interesting question. Do any of you, considering this, we're comparing it against Gravity, do any of you think that it has a chance of getting an Oscar nomination? No. no. Is this going to be the... Uh, monsters in it. And I'm not... Well, I, like I'm, I, I don't District think. 9. District 9. Yeah, but that's when we did... That's when we were just getting used to the whole new 10 picture thing. Uh, well, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think it will. I, I don't think it will. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to bring it up because I think it actually, for a summer blockbuster, is very surprising and very good and very enjoyable. I think it deserves to be up there, but for Tom Cruise plus monsters, I think it unfortunately will be sort of put in some people's mind as a summer tentpole dumb movie, even though it isn't. Right. No. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm a little bit depressed that I'm the lone, lone straggler here on Edge of Tomorrow. About what? what, what as, ba- as much as you about? guys really like it, and I still we're, I still have words with you, sir, about Walter Mitty. We'll take that up later. Wait, you uh, did, you didn't end up liking it? I'm no, confused. I love. I, what What are we talking about now? I don't know why. Edge of you, Tomorrow, because feel- I'm the one who said Edge of Tomorrow should beat Gravity, and you guys all you you guys all disagree, and oh, one of you happens to right. be a complete Benedict Arnold on the subject. So, Steve. <laughs> hey, uh, this was a good talk. I we yeah. are. Uh, this is a great, great, great way to kick off summer. I am really excited about uh, this um, the, this conversation. I think this was a good way to do it. Um, and can I say I, one really quick thing? Because yeah. I'm interrupting Magoo this entire time. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I sh- as one of the people on the podcast, I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm very heartened to know that even when all of us like a film, it's still interesting and fun. Yes. That it's not based in dissenting and arguing. Not that it was before, but I just that's the sign of a good podcast, I think. And oh. I hope that that is true. I do, too. Yes. I hope. Was that weird to say out loud? No. <laughs> that sounds like something I should have said once we went off the air. <laughs> also, oh. I killed a man. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did I hear a song about it? Hey, this was great fun, and uh, thank you everybody for taking uh, your evenings to uh, join the film board. Uh, Steve Sarmento, have a great summer. Yeah. 
Yes, you as well. We'll It's been a pleasure. Talk to you next month. Tommy Handsome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Andy, as always. It's a pleasure. It is a, a real treat. A rare and treasured treat. Just like Halloween. Hmm. Aww. Catch you next month, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We're out of here. of tomorrow <laughs> live die repeat try it again we're at the edge of tomorrow there's no defeat flick shot here on the film board we have covered quite a variety of great page to screen adaptations over the years from superheroes like christopher nolan's the dark knight rises based on stories like nightfall and the dark knight returns to horror and sci-fi like max brooks's world war z and hiroshi sakazuraka's all you need is kill which became one of our favorites edge of tomorrow with tom cruise and emily blunt and who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. Mm-hmm.